All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy month of Kiak. Uh, so um, I was asked to uh, give a talk about uh, the topic of nativity. And I really didn't know what direction to go in because as you know, nativity is a very broad topic, right? So there's so many different avenues we can take to, to really explore. And so I spent the last week really kind of meditating, kind of uh, praying and thinking about what is the one thing that we together could learn from the birth of Christ. And um, there was these two words that kept entering my mind. And I actually was ignoring it. Because at the time, I was thinking it has nothing to do with the topic at hand. It has nothing to do with nativity. So I ignored it. And then, and then all of a sudden, I realized I was looking at it all wrong. Okay, hit me. It really did hit me, literally, like that aha moment. Hit me like a ton of bricks. And once I viewed it from a different point of view through different lenses, I now realize it has everything to do with nativity. And those two words are, imitate me. And these are the two words I want us to really focus on and think about during this time. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does imitate me have anything to do with nativity? So obviously the one thing that we cannot do is we cannot imitate in how Christ was born obviously, okay? But the one thing we can imitate is why did he come, right? The purpose of his incarnation. And it tells us very plainly in scripture what his purpose was. Anyone have an idea what that might be? I have some high schoolers here who can give us some insight some feedback, or anyone else, of course. What was his purpose? We know ob the obvious ones, the redemption, right, salvation. We know all of these things. But in Scripture, it says something very specifically. Anyone? All right, so I guess we're going to talk hypothetically then. <laughs> so uh, his purpose, it states here. Can I get a volunteer to read it? Can we pass the mic around? get the high schools involved. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 5, 30. 30, thank you. So, this word righteous is going to come up uh, repeatedly uh, throughout this lesson. But it's plain here to say that his will was do the will of the Father. Okay? And what we're going to see is we're going to see this ongoing pattern, this trend that we are to follow, this imitate me. And so the next question is what is our purpose? And again, go back to scripture, and you could pass the mic over.
He stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 12, 50. Thank you. So our purpose is the same as his purpose. That is what we are supposed to imitate. We are supposed to do the Father who sent us. Okay, so we are to do in like manner. So you're going to see this thing on over and over again. Do what I do. This perfect role modeling that Christ does for us. Okay, in fact, he goes to the point that this is how we are connected to Christ. This is how you are related to me. When you do our Father's will. When you do the will, you are my mother my father, my brother, my sister, is when you do the will of the Father. Then Christ goes a little further here. He goes a, a little step further. Okay, he doesn't stop here. He now says, it's not just a purpose. It is everything. It is when we breathe. It's when we eat. Someone can read this. His disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay, so he goes now, says, It's not just this. It's Every time you break bread, every time you fellowship, every time you commune, every time you come on Sunday to take communion, every time you eat, you are to remember your will. And that is what? To do the will of the Father, right? It's actually nothing to do with us, right? That our will is completely saturated and embedded in our Father, that is our will, to do what it is that he wants us to do. And so we are to eat the same substance. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But first, sing the, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so we see this word, thank you, th this word righteous again. And this is the will, is to do whatever it is that we are to do, no matter the vocation, no matter whatever pathway we decide, what college we go to. We, we focus so much, so much on how to get there, when in reality is, are we living that righteous, holy life during the process? Deep down, does God care what specific college we go to? What specific vocation we end up having? What degree, what career? It simply is, do what I do during the process. Be righteous, be holy as you are doing these things. So this repeated pattern that we're seeing here is God role modeling for us what to do and in return, we imitate him.
So the question now is, how do we imitate? And this starts to get a little bit more challenging. How do we imitate him? What examples do we have in front of us? What role models do we have? We have the ones who have done this before us, right? We have the saints, we have the church fathers, right? And so there are two specific ones I'm gonna go over. The first one is Saint Timothy, who imitates Christ. Who's up? For though you might have tens of thousands of structures in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me for this reason I have sent Timothy to you. For who is my beloved and faithful son and Lord? For who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church? So there's uh, two concepts he, he plays here. Instructors and fathers. Now, this specific passage is telling us that with instructors, which are many, tell us what? It tells us what Christ is all about. Literally the instructions, kind of like a handbook or guidelines to be a Christian. Right? We have many passages, many instructions on how to be Christ-like. But then he says, but what you do not have is you don't have many fathers. So we have very few. And the fathers tell us who Christ is. Very different. Demonstrating and illustrating the essence of who Christ is. So in other words, I don't just want you to be teachers or educators. I don't want you to just regurgitate all the information that you have in front of us. I don't want you to just read it off. But I want you to be loving fathers. I want you to show who I am, okay? Not just what I'm about, but who I am, right? So just don't read it, apply it. Be loving, be fatherly, be motherly, right? And this is why we have the church fathers and the saints. And this is why St. Paul sends St. Timothy to teach them the ways of the Lord not just the material of what you read, okay? And in fact, St. Paul doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. What does he say about himself? Even St. Paul tells us to imitate him because he has imitated Christ himself, right? He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. It always goes back to Christ. Now, of all of the saints and the church fathers we have, who is the greatest imitator of them all? Give you a hint. See, was there at the nativity scene? Who is it? She, she. <laughs> St. Mary, right? Of course. Uh, so we covered the how to imitate Christ, but now we need to go over what is it that we are imitating in Christ. And I'm going to spend the, the, the rest of uh, this lesson on St. Mary. 
So we'll cover a couple of examples uh, that we can learn from the mother of God, St. Mary. So here's the first one. And Abuna touched on this uh, during the sermon today about service, about being a servant, and specifically the bond servant, right? And what you're going to see is a lot of similarities between Christ and St. Mary. You see this imitation. And so what you're going to notice with St. Mary through, through these examples is that she is constantly obedient and submissive to the will of God by abandoning her, her own self. And Abuna said the term self-forgetfulness, to forget about yourself. And see, the, and see the, this constantly. And we're going to go over some examples, and it's so clear. It's beautiful. Okay. Whoever's up next to read. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So um, a little side note. Uh, in Greek, the term reputation translates to emptying himself. And, they, and the, the, the Greek Orthodox use the term kenosis. It's literally the act of emptying oneself. And what are you emptying yourself from? From yourself. Anything with the ego, with self, I. And you're filling yourself, what? With the divine grace of God. So my question now is, does Christ need kenosis? Does he need to empty himself? course not right by definition he is divine grace he is God and these attributes are already part of his nature from the very beginning so what are we seeing here do what I do and we're going to see this over and over again okay and then we see this term directly after it Bond servant. What's a bond servant? Anyone know what that is? If you look it up, it's to serve without wages, to be a slave. So here we have the Son of God coming as a slave in the appearance of man, in the likeness of man, which he gave to us in Genesis during the creation, image and likeness of God completely vulnerable as a baby, just to know that 33 years later, he's going to die. And what are we supposed to do to do the same? God created us, put us into this world so that we know that what's gonna happen to us, that we will also die. And we will what? Resurrect in Christ, and we will ascend to the highest of heavens, God willing. So you see this imitation, not just in 
our will, and in our purpose, but our entire existence is imitating Christ. From birth all the way to our death, to everlasting life, salvation. And no one did this more beautifully than St. Mary herself. She did this amazing. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Okay, so there's two terms here I want to go over. The first one is maidservant. She doesn't use bondservant. Why? Because he is not here to save. But what is he here to do? To serve. Just like Christ said. I am not here to be served, but to serve. So she is the maidservant to Christ. And so she kenosis, she empties herself so that Christ may be revealed to the world. Um, and then there's two other terms here, according. She says, let it, be, let it be to me according to your word. Once she says the word according, that is complete humiliation. That's complete humbling of herself. It's not about me anymore. And look how quickly the interaction is. The angel says something. She responds. The angel leaves. Right? The angel didn't take much time to con convince her. There was no convincing here. It was already in her nature to say, I've been serving in the temple my whole life. Of course I'm going to serve my Lord. There's no questions asked. And then goes on and says, for he has regarded a lowly state of his maidservant. She's not thinking, and this is, a when I mentioned perfectly this in the uh, sermon, she did not spend any time thinking about what just happened. She is spending the time thanking the Lord that I was privileged and favored to have this responsibility. She did not spend time being scared or, or, or fearful of what others might say. She spent the time saying, look how, see, how, how God has looked upon me, lowly state. In other words, I have never been noticed. I serve quietly. Nobody pays attention to me. Privately serving in the temple without any recognition any acknowledgement. She is speaking on our behalf. There is no recognition on her end. And ironically, you're going to see the context of this situation. Because she completely empties herself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you're also going to see she was physically filled with the presence of God, mother of God, because of this. But let's really think about what's happening at this time. Who is this mother of God? She is a teenaged, betrothed mother. So here we have St. Mary, unrecognized, unnoticed, 
goes through many years in the temple, right? She's a teenager, all the way up until her teenage life, serving in the temple. And now she's going to be recognized. She is now going to have a reputation. But what kind of reputation? A terrible one. Is going to be dragged in the mud. This person who's never been noticed, quiet, meek, is now saying, because my reputation is in the Lord, I do not care about the reputation that I have in front of others. So in those times, in those days, this was completely unacceptable. Right? And did this change her mind? Was there any time during the interaction that she hesitated about what she wanted to do? It was quick, according to your, according to your word, right? Let it be to me according to your word, without hesitation. That is grounded in her faith. She has complete, and Abuna said this several times, trust in the Lord. And this is one thing we could absolutely use with St. Mary is trust. She has this amazing and complete trust in the Lord. And because she literally emptied herself, kenosis, of her own reputation, her image, her identity of what others thought about her, she now takes on the reputation of Theotokos. This is the mother of God. This is the one that was chosen, who was favored. Right? As someone who thought of themselves as a nobody. Who am I? St. Pope Krullus thought of this the same way. He thought of himself as nothing. And that's who God elevates. For us, especially as teenagers... You are also teenagers. Something we can learn. With social media, right? Do we have, do we, do we always have that idea of our image and our identity on social media? Do, do we fear for that? Of course we do. It's natural. But you're going to realize you don't care what others think about you when you are so grounded and so strong in your faith. When you are in the image of Christ, you don't care about the image that is represented to you to others. That's what we have to think about. What is our image? What is our identity? Okay. In Romans 13, it says, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when do we put on Christ? Galatians tells us. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. From our baptism, it is no longer our image, no longer our identity. We now are the ambassadors of Christ.
So the second and last example is silence. And I want us to um, really think about this. I, I, wasn't, I, was gonna go, I was gonna do another example, but I thought this pertains beautifully when it comes to being um, a teenager or, or, or growing, growing in with social media. We talk a lot. And when we talk, it's easier to talk when we're not in front of someone, right? It's very easy to, to just spill out words and to criticize and, and to give our point of view, right? When the other person can't see us, right? And so I want us just to remember this word silence because especially me, I can really focus and harness on this term silence. All right, so. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Thank you. So what do we see here in Christ? I want to remind you that this was 33 years in the, in the making. 33 years Christ knows this is going to happen and now he's at the pinnacle of what's going to happen. The violence, the torment, everything that is going to be, uh, that, that he's gonna be faced with, that's gonna be brought in front of him right now, this is the time he can defend himself. And he has the right. Because we know that it was unfair, it was unjust. If anyone deserves not to go through this, it's the son of God. But yet, he opens not his mouth. Why? He has the right. He should defend himself. Any of us would do this. Because of this word, trust. He trusts in what? In the Father's will. So we see here that Christ's silence is his complete obedience and humility and trust in the Father's will. He knows this has to happen. So he opens not his mouth. And this one is so beautiful. So what I'm going to do is, um, let's read it. Uh, let me read this one. I'm going to read this one because there's three examples I want to talk about with St. Mary. And with these three examples, what I want to have in the back of our minds is we have to remember that St. Mary is human. And this is her only beloved son, Jesus. This is her son. So I want you to think of a mother and a child. Okay, a mother and her child. So in the first one, first instance, it says, his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. What do we think of when we read this? St. John the Baptist. What does St. John the Baptist says? He must increase, but I must decrease. And the wording is right in here. She kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased. Now, in the real world, in, in reality, the, the relationship between a mother and the child is what? 
the mother becomes the advocate for the child. The mother speaks on behalf of the child. If anything happens to this child, the mother is going to speak. But here it's the other way around. What you're going to notice is throughout the entire scripture, she opens not her mouth. Because she knows that he must increase so that I must decrease. It's amazing. Okay, so St. Mary's silence, we observe her obedience, humility, and trust in Christ. But then it gets more beautiful. Let's, let's read the second one. The second one says, when Jesus therefore saw his, oh, let me give you context. This is uh, when St. Mary and St. John the Beloved is at the foot of the cross while her son is dying. If there's any time to speak, this is the time to speak. Right? This is her son dying on the cross for no good reason. This is when she has the right to speak and advocate for her child. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, listen to this, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother, and from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So we know that when Christ was dying, he, he had seven utterances on the cross. In all seven, not once did St. Mary speak. The right thief, who was defending Christ, spoke. The left thief, the, the left thief who was defending himself, he spoke. The Pharisees, the chief priests, told Christ, come off this cross if you're so powerful. If you're the son of God, prove it to us and come down from that cross. They spoke. But his own mother, yet she opened not her mouth. She is watching the cruelty, the violence, right, the torment, the excruciating, right, crucifixion pain. Yet she opens not her mouth. What does he do instead? She waits for the Lord to address her. She does not initiate this dialogue. She does not start this conversation. She is completely obedient to the word. It's amazing. And then, what happens after this? Does he get to stay there the whole time? Does he say, excuse me, I am going to be here for my son every moment that this is happening until I see the whole process complete. And she has the right. She is the mother of this child. And it's her only child. But what does he do? She waits for the Lord to address her and then waits for St. John the Beloved to take her away during the most agonizing, painful experience for a mother and a child. And she doesn't what? She doesn't argue. She doesn't disagree. She doesn't hesitate. As you wish. Why? Because she is doing what Christ told us to do. Do what I do. It's amazing. 
And then the third one. And this is at the wedding of Cana uh, during the first miracle. It says, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Pay attention to this. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, let us go over here. At the foot of the cross, her son's dying. Is he speaking? No, she doesn't speak. But then at the wedding of Cana, the first miracle, who now initiates the conversation? Who now starts this dialogue? St. Mary. Now St. Mary's speaking. Talk about complete humility. She is now speaking, but for whom? The bride and the groom. They, that's the first word that comes out of her mouth. They have no wine. I cried when I read this because it reminds me that the only time that St. Mary speaks is behalf of everybody else except herself. That's St. Mary. They have no wine. And then later on, knowing the heart and the love of Christ, who does she go to? She goes to the disciples and says, whatever he says to you, do it. Christ didn't say, I'm going to do it. What does he say instead? Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Why are you telling me to start now? This is not my time yet. But he goes, do it for them. Do you see that almost like this genetic bond? They have this amazing love between them. It's amazing. She has so much love for others that she is willing to speak out of turn to make sure that Christ does something about it. And then, knowing the heart of her son, she goes to the disciples and say, do what he tells you to do. That's it. In other words, he didn't confirm, but he but she knows. Christ loves them so much, he is going to perform the miracle. It's amazing. So St. Mary gives no attention to herself ever. That's kenosis. That's the emptying of oneself. Rather, she gives all the credit and attention to everybody else. God was preparing this lowly state servant who served in the temple. I see you. I know who you are. I know what you're all about. You are going to now show it to the world that you're always thinking of everybody else but yourself. And we're also going to notice this is how they lived their lives. Christ and St. Mary, their silence was their way of life. Christ, he was here for how long? 33 years. Let's do the math here. Of those 33 years, how many years was he in public ministry? Three. Less than 10%. What was he doing the other 30 years? Christ lived a solitude, monastic life in the hidden city of Nazareth, a no-name city. What 
good comes out of Nazareth? Inside a lowly workshop, as a quiet and meek carpenter like his father. For 30 years. This is the son of God here on this dismal planet. And what is he telling us to do? Do what I do. Because I think a lot of the times, me included, of course, we worry so much about when is it my turn to serve, to shine. In fact, we should say, Lord, I never want to shine. I don't want to serve. I'm going to wait till you tell me when to serve. But the majority of our lives should be what? Go into your room and close the door and go on your knees and pray to me. Peseda. Go in your private, quiet place. That is what I want you to do. Do what I do. I did it for 30 years. You can do the same. And then when the time is right, I will tell you how to serve and what to serve for my glory, for the glorification of his name. For St. Mary was a teenager. That was her time. For others, it could be a very, very different age. And for others, it might never happen because it doesn't matter. Because the one thing we have is the perfect example of Go and be in your private, quiet place and praise God. That is what he's asking us to do. Live that monastic life in you. Yes, you have a family. Yes, you have responsibility. Yes, you have work. Do all of these things and do it what? With righteousness and holiness. But don't forget about me. Okay? St. Mary... Does anyone know how, oh, I already posted it, sorry. How many times does he speak in scripture? Four times. Four times. The greatest human being ever spoke four times. It's amazing. And uh, St. James tells us this in chapter one. It says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It goes back to that righteous, holy life. St. Arsenius says it perfectly. He says, many times have I spoken and regretted it, but I have never regretted keeping silent. So when we are silent, we allow the Holy Spirit to speak on our behalf. Why? Because we have this one word, trust, obedience in the Lord. We know he will speak on our behalf. In fact, it says it in Luke 12 very clearly. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Don't worry. Okay, and then we're going to close with this. We're almost done. I apologize. Uh, so let's do a little uh, recap, a, a summary. So what is our ultimate will? To imitate the incarnate Christ from birth to death. Who the Father has sent for all of us to follow. 
And what is the purpose of the nativity? Do what I do. St. Athanasio says it perfectly. He became what we are so that he might make us what he is. He became what we are, humanity, incarnate logos, right? The word of God. So that he might make us what he is, divinity. So in other words, so even from the beginning of his birth to his last breath on the cross of his death, he illustrates his essence of love and humility by his humanity so that we may imitate his divinity. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, any questions? Questions? Yeah, I know who he is. exactly yep that mother and child relationship it's beautiful she knew his heart um all right any other questions all right let's uh, stand up for prayer